right, take your Bibles, if you would, to the, to the book of John, the Gospel of John, and chapter number 10. Thank you, singers, and for leading us in this time of uh, worship and praise tonight. Good to be back in the house of God, beautiful uh, Sunday evening. And I know you could have done a lot of different things tonight, but you chose to come to church. Well, it may have been a couple of teenagers didn't choose. They might have been made, but the rest of us got to come. Amen. And uh, it's good to be here. And uh, man, on the way to church this morning, I saw hunters everywhere. I thought, boy, if we could just get all the deer to come up to the church, we would have had a major big crowd. Hunters everywhere. Did anybody shoot a deer yet? Anybody get a deer yet? Hold up your hand if you got a deer. Well, it looks like the deer are safe. I think two, three. So, uh, but anyhow, it's good to be back tonight, and what a wonderful morning God gave us today, and uh, had so many uh, friends and relatives, Con and I got to talking, we could have had a family reunion on both sides of the, of the family, and, uh, and still yet there are more uh, here tonight as well, and uh, Appreciate you being here. I've got so many friends and uh, wonderful family members that are here in Southern Illinois. This is uh, Con and I. This is our roots. This is where we're from and uh, where we were both born and raised. We were actually both born. The, we were born in the same hospital. And uh, what was it called? Vickers? What was that hospital called in McLeansboro? Is it Vickers? Yeah, up on the square there, I believe. They tore it down. After we were born, they couldn't handle any more, and that was it. uh, But I appreciate you coming. And so I need you to pray about uh, uh, a couple of things. I have a pastor, dear pastor friend of mine that went to heaven uh, Friday, I believe it was, and uh, I'll be, be preaching his funeral on Tuesday in uh, North Carolina. And so uh, my son-in-law, Steve, Lord willing, he and I fly out early Tuesday morning in St. Louis, and then we'll come back late uh, Tuesday night. Thank God. you imagine what the Apostle Paul could have done with a Boeing 747? Like I said, in one of the services this morning, he, he rode donkeys and broken down boats, and he walked with a limp. Probably, and uh, yet in their day, they turned their world upside down for Jesus. We have so many things at our disposal to be able to reach this world with the gospel, and uh, the printed press, uh, radio, television, uh, internet, uh, so many opportunities, and I don't know about you, but I really do believe the Lord is coming soon. And every, everything is pointing to his soon return. And uh, I don't know when. Nobody knows when. The Bible says no one knows the hour nor the day. If anybody ever tells you they know the day or the hour, the Lord's coming back, you can mark them off as a false prophet because no one knows the hour or the day. But there, we who believe the Bible, we don't believe that anything has to happen before the Lord comes. That means he could come while I'm preaching tonight. And if he does, there'll be an empty wheelchair on this platform. 
I've never been an astronaut, but one of these days I'll be a was-not. I'm leaving out of here, taking off. And uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for the trumpet to sound. But until then, that old song says, until then, we've got a job to do, and we need to be about the Father's business. So uh, pray for us at the... uh, for the funeral service on Tuesday. And then I called your pastor a few months ago, just burdened, uh, and I asked him to pray about something. I've not talked to anyone else about what I asked him to pray about. And uh, but now I'm going to ask you to pray about it, that the Lord would give clear leading. I just have a burden for my hometown area and uh, the possibility of maybe doing a major uh, area-wide crusade uh, here in southern Illinois and uh, reaching out uh, uh, to several counties beyond Hamilton County, but uh, because this is where I was born and raised, uh, that we'd probably make this the center of the, of the area of the crusade. And, I, and I've got a big, big vision for what this would look like if the Lord gives us liberty and and pastors and churches agree that that's what they want to do to reach. Uh, it would primarily be to reach lost people with the gospel, to see people come to Jesus. And that, there's nothing that thrills me any more than to see people get saved. That's, that's my whole burden, to see people come to Christ and to see lives changed by the power of God. So now that I'm asking you to pray about something specifically that the uh, Lord would give clear leading if he wants this to happen and if he does it'll be in his timing it'll be the way that the way the purpose that he would uh, would would want to to do it i believe that you know there used to be a day when churches would work together they cooperate together i'm talking about even different denominations uh about 40 50 years ago would would come together for crusades and area-wide and city-wide crusades um, and lay aside uh, some of their differences. We're not talking about laying aside major doctrines like the virgin birth or the blood atonement or the, uh, or the resurrection of Jesus Christ or salvation is uh, uh, through Jesus only. We're not talking about compromising any of that, but other things that we would lay aside and, and not be argumentative uh, for the purpose of of getting the gospel out and to see people uh, born into the family of God. And, uh, and I believe it's important that the, the nearer that it comes to that trumpet sounding that we do learn to work together. We're going to spend eternity together in heaven. We ought to try to get along just a little bit down here. And uh, it, was, it was a small community. They only had a couple of churches. They had the Baptist church. And they had the Christian church, and uh, neither one of them were doing very well. They both were about to close their doors. And uh, so they got together, and they decided they would try to make one church out of the two. And, um, and of course, the Baptist church had to have a business meeting, and, and uh, so they had their business meeting, and they was talking about it, went on and on, and finally one dear old lady stood up in the back, and she said, look here, people, I have been a Baptist all of my life. Ain't nobody about to make a Christian out of me. 
That's the attitude of some people. Nobody's going to make a Christian out of me. Pastor, thank you again for letting me come back to Ten Mile Baptist Church. I never, ever take for granted the opportunity and privilege to preach in another man's pulpit. And I'm honored, and I mean that from the depths of my heart. Again, I listened to his message from last Sunday, the entirety of it. If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go listen to it. It'll help you, and, and it'll bless you, but it'll help you, especially those of you that are struggling and, and, uh, and you're going through a trial or hurting and you're in pain. Uh, it'll, it'll be a blessing to you. Help me. And uh, I, was, I was truly, truly blessed. All right, John, the Gospel of John, chapter number 10. Now, my wife is not here tonight. She chose to go with her parents to Bell Rive, and they're not having preaching, but they are going to, they are going to bowl. Uh, they're going to have a bowling contest, and they're using turkeys to bowl with. Hello? We're talking redneck here. All we ask is that they get video. If my mother-in-law is going to throw a turkey at Mo, I want a video of it. And, uh, but the spiritual ones came to be with me tonight. <laughs> and, uh, but I did say that I would try to uh, not be long tonight in my preaching. You know what an optimist is? An optimist is a person who believes a preacher when he says he's not going to be long. But I'll try not to be long. That's what Elizabeth Taylor told her eighth husband, I won't keep you long. <laughs> and she didn't. All right, are you ready for this? Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter number 10. And let's read the last three verses, begin at verse number twenty. Seven, the last four verses. In verse number 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I announced today, this morning, that tonight I would be preaching on a somewhat of a controversial subject. There's many circles. This is a controversial doctrine. And... Uh, but I told you that your pastor wasn't the least bit nervous at all. He knows me, and he knows I would never hurt him or uh, this church. But I do want to uh, preach about this subject, and I've titled my message, Once Saved, Always Saved. It's a great Bible doctrine. Eternal security is often misinterpreted, misconstrued, and misunderstood. I want to show you tonight why I emphatically preach that once a person repents of sin and receives Jesus as their own personal Savior, that they can never, ever, ever be lost again. There has for centuries been debate and dispute 
and disagreement about once saved, always saved. But let's let the Bible settle it tonight. In order to understand this doctrine of eternal security, first of all, we have to understand salvation. This is the rock. This is, this is what it is all built upon right here. You have to understand what salvation is in order to understand this great doctrine of eternal security. What does the Bible say? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is a gift of God. Verse number 9. Not by works, lest any man should boast. For by grace are you saved through faith. What is grace? The definition of grace, it is, you've heard this so many times before, those of you that have been in church any length of time, grace is the unmerited favor of God. In other words, we don't deserve it. And as I said this morning, if we got what we deserved, if all of us got what we deserved tonight, we would all be in hell. We don't deserve God's grace. We need to be saved. Why do we need to be saved? Because we're sinners. And it's our sin that separates us from God. It's our sin that keeps us from having a right relationship with God. And our sin would separate us from God for all of eternity in this horrible, horrible place called hell, except for the fact that Jesus paid the price for our sins so we could have a right relationship with God. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is by grace. And then what is faith? He said, for by grace are you saved through faith. And so faith is the substance of, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So you're saved by grace through faith plus nothing, minus nothing. You don't add anything to it, and you don't take anything away from it. Salvation is a gift. John chapter 3 and verse 16, you learned this verse when you were a small child, if you were raised in church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We're getting ready to come up on the Christmas season, the Thanksgiving season, the Christmas season. And, 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 and we, we talk about giving gifts and receiving gifts. And, and I do firmly believe that it is better to give than to receive. The Bible teaches that. But the greatest gift that has ever been offered to anyone is this gift of salvation. You imagine that, that God loved you so much that he made it possible for you to have a right relationship with him through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Oh my, it's hard to fathom sometimes. How and why would this holy and righteous God, why would he care enough about me that he would give his only, his only son to die for me? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, aren't you glad God said whosoever? Oh, wow. I'm glad God didn't, didn't say you had to be rich in order to go to heaven because most of us would have never made it. 
And I'm glad God didn't say you had to be super intelligent in order to go to heaven because most of us would have never made it. And I'm glad God didn't say you had to be great looking in order to go to heaven. Some of you would have never made it. He said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When Jesus died on that cross, he died for the sins of the black and the white, the red, the yellow, the rich and the poor, the strong and the weak, the educated, the ignorant. Jesus died for the sins of all. This gift is available to all who will simply receive, will receive this gift of salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 9 again, not by works, lest any man should boast. This gift has already been paid for. You don't have to work, work for it. You don't, you don't earn it. You can't earn it. You could work the rest of your life, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, doing good works after good works after good works, and it would not get you into heaven. There's no amount of good work that you can do to earn this salvation. It's a gift. It's free. Now to be sure, it did cost. It cost God his only son. But to you and I, it's simply accepting this gift of salvation. God gives salvation that his son paid for. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which you have of God and you're not your own. Listen to this. For you're bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. God's only son paid the price so we can have a right relationship with God. Acts chapter 20 and the first part of 28 to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. How did, how did this salvation get paid for? By God's only son shedding his blood on that old rugged cross. It's a gift. It's free. If salvation was by works, then when you and I got to heaven, we would be spending all of our time boasting about how great we are and what we did to get into heaven. But oh, friend, there's going to be no boasting from you and I about what we did. We're going to be boasting on what he did. We're going to be praising him for what he did and for who he is. It's not by works. It's by God's Amazing grace. And by the way, if you could be saved by your works, then yes, you could be lost after you were saved. Because if it was works that got you saved, then it would be works that would get you unsaved. But friend, that is an impossibility. In John chapter, in John chapter 6, he said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And God saves you. He seals you with the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. When is the day of redemption? That's when Jesus is coming for all of his children. When you got saved, God sealed you with the Holy Spirit. And God the Father, your destination is the new Jerusalem. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are going to see to it that you reach your destination. You've heard this verse. My dad told me early in my ministry, and he was my mentor and helped me so much, and I miss him so much, but my dad told me 
to memorize scripture, memorize the Bible, memorize verses from the word of God. And my dad was the best at that. I was staying in their home and, and my dad uh, had cancer and, and knew that he didn't have a long time to live. And I had to get up early one morning to go to the restroom. And when I did, I saw the light on in the living room and I went up the hallway and my dad was sitting there in a chair and he had these memory cards. On one side, he would have the verse written out and on the other side, he would have where that verse was found out. My dad was 83 or 84 years of age. He knows he's going to heaven soon, but here he is still memorizing the word of God. Oh, this is so important. One of those verses early on that I memorized, Romans 8, and verses 38 and 39, for I am persuaded, Paul said, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, isn't that a blessed verse? Isn't that a wonderful verse? Isn't that something that you can lay your, your head on the pillow tonight and, and, and quote that verse and read that verse and say, this is for me. He, he named all of those things. Come on, Jacob, I got to see you work here because I'm not done yet. I love watching pastors work. Am I on one of them? All right. Now straighten them out for me. And I, I, think I'm, I think I'm on page five. Don't be taking any of them out. I'm going to preach the whole sermon, all right? There you go. All right, where are we at here now? All right, amen, brother. Thank you so much. Give him a hand, folks. Come on. Let me make sure this is where I was at, all right? I want to make sure he didn't take anything out. No, that's exactly where I was at. And, and Romans, Romans 8, that's why I got this stand up here, and I totally forgot about having, having the music stand tonight. Many gifts only last for a little while. And you know, they, they, you, you lose a gift or, or they wear out. E even a brand new car loses that new car smell and eventually it'll rust out. But the gift of salvation, God's gift to you and I, lasts forever. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. We have to understand this biblical view of sin, to have genuine fellowship with God. We need a genuine relationship with God. And the only way this relationship happens is through salvation. It's through God saving us. Sin causes broken fellowship. I'm speaking now to the believers. I'm speaking now to the Christians. People are out of fellowship with God. The reason they're out of fellowship is because they've allowed sin to come between them and God. And that, and that causes a broken, a broken fellowship, a broken relationship. If you don't receive the gift of God, now I'm talking to lost people. If you don't receive this gift, you will be separated from God for all of eternity in this horrible, horrible place called hell. Now, the message is going to get just a little bit tough here for just a moment. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and verses 8 and 9, the Bible says in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory 
of his power. Where else do we find that word everlasting? I quoted it to you a moment ago. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hey, just as the believer will be in the presence of God in this beautiful place called heaven forever and ever and ever, the unbeliever will be separated from God forever and ever and ever. Sinners face eternal condemnation for refusing this gift of salvation. God sent not his son to condemn the world. In verse 17, John chapter 3, for God sent not his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But it goes on in verse number 18 to say that he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So now this is the tough part for the believer. Some of you are going to hear something tonight. Some of you are going to hear things. Maybe some of you have never heard this before, and you've never heard teaching on eternal salvation before. But the children of God, God's children, face chastisement when we willfully sin against God. And I want you to go to the book of Hebrews for just a moment, chapter number 12, and I want to show you why this is true. If you've been born again, you're God's child, and God will discipline his children. Some declare that if they believed in the doctrine of eternal salvation, that they could get saved and live however they wanted to live after they were saved. I've heard it said more than once, you Baptists believe that you can get saved and then go out and live like the devil and still go to heaven. As a Baptist preacher for 50 years, I've never taught that. And I've never one time ever heard another Baptist preacher teach that. Not at all. So here it is in Hebrews chapter number 12. Let's look at this. And then we'll wrap this message up. Go if you would. Let's get start at verse number one. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right-hand throne of God. Verse number three. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. You have not received, you, you have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And if you've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, everything that is written in chapter number 12 is to God's people, is to the Christian, is to the believer. And he said, you've, you've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Verse number six, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Verse number seven, if you endure chastening, 
God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? And here's the tough verse. The King James Bible says it like this. But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. You know what that means? That you're illegitimate. That you've never truly, genuinely been born into the family of God. God does not chasten those who are not his children. God does not chastise lost people. He only disciplines and chastises those who are his children. Look, if you would, at verse, at verse number, at verse number nine. Furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh which correcteth us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit. For our problem, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Verse number 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So my friend, this is a very, very important part of this teaching tonight. You're saved forever. You're God's child forever. It's impossible to be unborn physically. It's impossible to be unborn spiritually. You can't do it. But because you're saved forever, does not, I repeat, does not give you or I the right to live the way we want to live. After we're saved, we're not our own. Remember, we've been bought with a price. We're his. And so now God gets to do with us what he wants to do with our life and how he wants to do with our lives. But if you don't, and you're out of the will of God, and you're running from the Lord, he will speak to you. When I was a child, my mom and dad believed in old-fashioned discipline, a biblical discipline. But they would always tell me, son, I'm doing this because I love you. They love me a bunch. And I want to tell you tonight that God loves you. You and I far more than our earthly fathers loved us and cared for us. And he will discipline Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19. God said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Dr. J. Harold Smith, the renowned evangelist of the last century, preached his famous message titled God's Three Deadlines. That last deadline was when you say no to God so often that now you cause God to take you home prematurely. You, it's called the sin unto death. And you sin and you sin and you sin and God speaks to you and he speaks to you. Maybe it's through the message of a pastor on Sunday morning. Could be a Sunday school lesson. Could even be a song that God's trying to speak to your heart about and soften your heart and bring conviction in your life. But you keep slamming the door. You keep shutting the door. You keep saying, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. And so there is this sin unto death. You can't keep living like that. Because God will get your attention. He will speak to you 
And for Tim Lee, it took a landmine explosion and two legs and a wheelchair for the rest of my life for me to finally come to the place to say, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do. Any teaching other than grace is a teaching of work salvation. 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Not hope so, not think so, not maybe so. I thank God for salvation that produces feelings. I would give you a nickel for salvation that didn't produce feelings. And you get happy and you rejoice and you're excited. But ladies and gentlemen, young people, we're not saved by our feelings. Feelings change. Feelings fluctuate. Feelings come and go. But the word of God never changes. You can put your faith, you can put your trust, you can put your confidence in the word of God. It'll never let you down. And he said, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. Not hope so, not think so, not maybe so, but that you may know that you have eternal life. First John chapter 5 and verse 12. This is as easy as it gets right here. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So have you been saved? Has your life been changed by the power of God? Was there ever a time in your life when conviction came to you and you realized that you were a sinner and you knew that if you died like you were that you would not go to heaven? My wife was a member of the church, a choir member, Sunday school teacher. And if you would ever look at somebody by outward appearance and, 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 and by their life and the way that they lived, you would look at her and say, she's a Christian. But we were having a revival meeting at Belride Baptist Church. Charles Shipman from Myrtle, Mississippi was preaching the revival. And she was under conviction. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. And then one night she couldn't stand it anymore. And at the invitation time, she bolted out of the seat and she went to the altar. And that night, she got it settled. She said, that this is her testimony, that if she would have died like she was, that she would not have gone to heaven. My friend, sometimes the people that, that dress it up and look great and awesome, many, many times, some of them have never been born again. Their lives have never, ever been changed by the power of God. 1 John 5.11, and this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whenever the Golden Gate Bridge was being built in San Francisco, I've been across that bridge several times. San Francisco is actually a very beautiful city. And, um, and, I'm talking about the, the physical, the Bay Area, the, the, the hills. Uh, it's, it's a gorgeous place, beautiful place. They were building the Golden Gate Bridge, and they, were, they had a budget, of course. They had a time frame for when they wanted this bridge to be built. And it wasn't long until they got behind on the construction because there were some men that had fallen to their death. And it was scaring the other workers. They were frightened. 
And so an engineer designed a safety net. At that, at that time, the cost was $100,000. Today's money, I think they said it would be two, two and a half million dollars. But they built a safety net underneath the work area. Immediately, the uh, work schedule went back to where it was supposed to be. The budget went back to where it was supposed to be. There were men that fell, but the net caught them, and they didn't die. Well, my friend, we have a safety net. That scripture that I read to you tonight in John chapter number 10, let's read it one more time. Let's go back and read it one more time. There's such beautiful verses. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me, and I give. I give. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. There's a safety net. And then he says, my father which gave them is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. There's another safety net. And then I've read to you, I quoted to you a while ago, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. You've got the safety net of the Holy Spirit. You've got the safety net of God the Father. You've got the safety net of God the Son. And no man can pluck them out of my hand. When you get saved, when you come to Christ, he gives you eternal life. It's forever. How in the world? Would you hope to do anything for Jesus if you're constantly fearful and worrying about whether you're going to go to hell when you die? That's no way to live. You're all the time scared and nervous and upset about whether you're genuinely saved or not. You don't have to be like that. You don't have to go to bed like that tonight. You can put your head down on your pillow tonight if you've genuinely been born again, understanding that God has you, the Father has you, the Son has you, and the Holy Spirit has you, and nothing can pluck you out of their hands. You are His child forever. If you have repented of your sins and you receive Christ as your Savior, God said to them who receive him, he said to them, gave he the power to become the sons of God. It's not in your strength. It's not in your might. It's not in your good works. It's not in your baptism. It's not in your joining the church. It's salvation by grace through faith plus nothing minus nothing. And tonight you can have that peace that passes all understanding. Knowing that you're God's child. Knowing that he loved you so much to give you eternal life. Now, if you're saved tonight, but out of the will of God, then I plead with you, don't leave the doors of this building until you make it right with God. Would you bow your heads this evening? A simple, basic doctrine from the Word of God. And there are so many other verses we didn't even come close to touching the surface tonight of this great, great Bible truth. And when you get born into the family of God, you are God's child forever. How many would say tonight, Tim, I know I'm God's child. I know God saved me. I'm not dependent on my good works or my membership or my baptism or anything else. I'm a whole faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. By grace, through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing. I'm saved, and I'm not the least bit ashamed of it. Just put your hand up tonight as a way of testimony. Oh, what a sight. You can take them down.
What a joyful sight to look out and see hands raised across this building tonight to know that you're his child. I wonder tonight if there are those who say, Tim, I'm saved, and I know if I died, I'd go to heaven, but the truth of the matter is there are some things in my life that are not right with God. There's some things in my life the Lord's not pleased with, and I don't want to continually be out of the will of God. I want my life to be right with God, to be right with Jesus. Pray for me, Tim, that I could have these things right between me and God. Just put your hand up tonight. Hold them up. You can take them down. Tonight, we're going to use this old-fashioned altar around these steps here, and we're not going to have a long, drawn-out invitation just to mind God here in the next few moments to do what he wants you to do. Come clean with God. God said that, he said that if we would confess our sin, that he was faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And tonight, if you want that forgiveness, God waits with arms wide open, willing to forgive you if you'll come to him tonight. If you want someone to pray with you, the pastor will be here, others will be here to pray with you. If you just want to come and get along with God, that's fine too. Right before we sing, is there someone in the building tonight would say, Tim, the truth of the matter is, I'm just not for sure. I just don't know for sure that if I were to die that I would go to heaven. Or maybe you thought you were. You say, well, Tim, you're trying to confuse me by this message. Oh, no. My friend, if you are confused, I gave you the truth. And tonight, you just need to understand that if you're not 100% for sure, then you need to get a settlement. Again, 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Is there anyone at all would say, Tim, I'm not for sure that I'm a Christian. I'm not for sure I'm saved. I'm not for sure if I died that I would go to heaven. And I wish you would pray for me. Just slip your hand up for a moment. Make sure I see it. And then you can take it right back down. Anyone at all. I don't see a hand raised anywhere. Pastor, would you come and stand here tonight if there is someone that you're not for sure when we sing. Pastor Jake will be right here at the front. Come and put your hand in his hand. And he'll have a man, if you're a man, a lady, if you're a lady, take the word of God and show you how you can leave here tonight with your sins forgiven. Remember, a brief invitation. Christians, let's mind God tonight. Would you stand to your feet all over the room? Everyone that's able to, able to stand, my friend, saints, come on right now. Just come and get along with God here. Pastors here at the front. Come on, if you're serious, you raise your hand. Come, use this altar tonight. Yes. eternal life you want to know and have that peace that passes all understanding run to Jesus tonight run to Jesus
sing that second verse. Waiting on the Lord. Help him sing that chorus. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Father, thank you for this time in your house tonight. Thank you for these people. Lord, for those that are struggling and, and have questions, help them to seek out someone that can help them, show them, point them to the scriptures, understand the truth of God's word. God, you did, and you do love us so much. Sometimes it is so difficult for a human to understand, but Lord, we put our faith and our trust and our confidence in you, knowing you've never lied. You've always, always led us to the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and we believe that tonight. No man, no man cometh unto the Father but through Jesus. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you tonight for eternal, everlasting life. In Jesus' name.